glass, ice, pour. Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles-Brown, and joining me on the show today is Bethany McKinney-Fox. Bethany, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Absolutely. Great to be with you. I'm really excited to talk with you today about one of my favorite topics, topic I don't get to talk about very much, and that is marriage. Yay! Married life! Woohoo! But before we dive into that, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the past year or so, um, and you're one of my favorite people to talk with about everything, Uh, and so I'm excited to talk with you about this, but before we get too far into it, I would love for you just to take a minute and uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about you. Totally. So, uh, yeah, so my name is Bethany McKinney-Fox, and right now I just transitioned out of a full-time job at Fuller Seminary. Um, There I was an administrator running the disability office and some other things. Uh, Now I am working part-time running and pastoring uh, Beloved Everybody Church, which is a church that um, me and some other folks have started here in the LA area. Um, and it's a church where people with and without intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, worship together, fully participate in all our gatherings together, um, and where we share leadership. So that's kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm putting uh, a lot of time and energy and passion these days. Um, I also do the place we know each other, um, is through cyclical LA. Mm -hmm which is like the church starting organization out of the San Fernando Presbytery. Um, My role there is to be um, the director of spiritual formation, I think is what it's called. And basically I just kind of talk with people who are discerning uh, whether they want to start a church or um, have started a church about how they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in, in these church starting conversations, so much is about the tasks that we're up to. And sometimes we just need intentional space to think about how we are doing as the church starters. So cyclical is really thoughtful about that and makes space um, for me to just sit down with people and be like, okay, so how you doing? (laughs) So that's kind of my role there. Um, Otherwise I do some speaking and writing and um, lots of non-work related things. I did. Yeah, yeah, just released a book, Disability and the Way of Jesus, I believe is the title. Yes. And what's the subtitle? The subtitle is Holistic Healing in the Gospels and the Church, Um, and that came out at the very end of May uh, with IVP Academic, and that book is about, um, well, really it's about the fact that in Scripture we have all these healing narratives Mm -hmm. um, where people are encountering Jesus and experiencing healing, Um, and today a lot of churches and theologies that kind of create practices or beliefs out of these stories tend to create things that um, can actually be wounding for people with disabilities. And so that didn't really add up for me. So it seemed important to think differently about these texts or really dig into them deeper um, because it didn't make sense to me that in following Jesus, people would be wounding people since that was really not what Jesus was doing. (laughs) Right, right, right. So the book is kind of just digging into those texts from lots of different angles, from the angles of physicians, from the angles of people with disabilities, um, other stuff like that, church pastors, and thinking through what does it mean to like be communities of healing in the way of Jesus today that are actually healing for people. 
Yeah, so that's awesome. Anybody who is pastoring a church or <laughs> thinking about pastoring a church or, um, like I said, is currently pastoring a church, I highly recommend picking up this book. I will make uh, sure there's links in the show notes because I think what you're touching on is a narrative that's been left out of the church. Um, yeah. It's been a group of people that have, I, I would, I'll put some positive intent and say inadvertently been, been, been left out. Um, yeah. and, and so I think it's really great that you're creating space and, and just uh, inviting people into new ways of thinking and, uh, and really just thinking about it even it really isn't maybe even saying new ways of thinking isn't the right way to describe it because really you're not really putting out anything new I would say per se but it's more so you are putting out ideas that may seem new to people but really this is I think what you're uncovering and what people will, will uncover when they read the book is that these narratives are very much ingrained in the gospel they're very much right. part of the narrative so we've actually been doing them a disservice by separating them and I think by including them you get a deeper view and a more rich um, idea and understanding of what you know some of these gospel stories are actually talking about so i'm excited Absolutely. to read it um i'm gonna make sure to get my copy signed when i pick it up too because i just <laughs> happen to good. know the author <laughs> but that's great so thank you so much for sharing about that and you know you and i have had great conversations as i've been kind of processing my own faith and figuring out what i'm going to do with my journey and uh, mm -hmm. so you know it's been great just to sit down and have conversations with you you know about what i'm struggling with and what i'm thinking about and what i'm hopeful for and you know you know me I have a lot of ideas you know so yeah, it's been nice definitely. to share the ideas and things with you but you know for this conversation um, as we were sort of thinking about things we wanted to talk about you had mentioned that marriage uh, you know you and uh, your partner Michael uh, you have a very unique marriage and and it reminded me as you were describing it reminded me a lot of um, this the marriage that I have with my partner my wife Jen um, in that where we are very fluid in how we take on the normal everyday responsibilities of the house, you know, and what mm -hmm. that looks like. Um, sure. And so I thought it would be really great for for you to kind of share um, a little bit about, you know, what your normal life is like, you know, um, maybe if you want to start with how you and Michael met, I could share a little bit about how Jen and I met and we could share a little bit about that and some of the foundational stuff of how you how you folks like set up your marriage and then, you know, we can just move into some more of, uh, of, of, you know, the day to day stuff and what that practically looks like. But, um, I'd love just to, to kind of open it up now and, 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 um, just kind of say for, for what we do here at our house, you know, I am, uh, a freelance podcaster. I'm a aspiring church planter. Um, I raise our son. I do lots of things. Uh, and Jen has a traditional nine to five job and she goes, she works for a prestigious university here in Los Angeles. And so she kind of wears that traditional getting up and going to work and I'm it's kind of different. So when you were talking about how you and Michael have, um, you know, kind of your own way of doing things, it was really intriguing to me because I thought, gosh, Jen and I, uh, we're kind of weird, you know, we must be weirdos yeah. <laughs> out here. Like, you know, how yeah. does this work? And, and I, and as I am driving for Uber and I'm talking to other men, uh, young men who are, you know, kind of exhibiting the same sort of characteristics as, as me, and they're looking for this way to to find a partner who is willing to to kind of mix things up, and so um, and, and and think about things differently, and and try to put on different you know roles to fit what your strengths are. So. Um, I guess to, to kind of kick it off, was there anything maybe when y'all were, were dating or when you just kind of met or whatever that kind of helped you feel like you, like, what was it about the hip, you know, the partnership that you felt like this is, this is something that I'm confident in that I can really feel like will make me have a happy and successful life? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I, I want to start off by just saying part of the reason that I feel like we got on this topic of marriage is I knew that your kind of core area to think about is masculinity. Yeah. And I was thinking, how would I talk about masculinity? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously all masculinity affects everybody. So mm-hmm. it's not like you have to be a man at all to, to have thoughts about it. But right. I thought in particular about how concepts of masculinity especially impact your my closest relationship with a man in my life which is my husband michael um and so that was kind of how we got onto that track yeah. um and i also want to just begin by saying that i texted michael this morning and said is it okay for me to talk <laughs> about our marriage on this podcast good and he was like totally no problem so great I'm not. Thank so you for I your approval. blessing. Yeah, thank you for yeah. your blessing, Michael. And Jen, uh, <laughs> Jen, I hope that you're okay with this too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think you, you'd asked what about our partnership made me feel like it was going to be like good yeah, like for the long was, haul. Yeah, like was was anything that he did or anything that maybe you were looking for or, you know, yeah. however you want to start that out, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And the thing, honestly, I mean, it, it's a – I have two reactions to that question. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) One is like, I don't know that I ever felt like totally sure because I'm a very Mm. realistic person. And I was like, these things are so amazing and these things are really hard. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every partnership has a mixture of things that are beautiful and things that are difficult. Amen. And so, um, so there, I was never like, I mean, there's always a part of you that marriage, it's a risk, you know, like, um, you, you're going to change, they're going to change, all these things are going to happen. So there was, I definitely didn't go in with any certainty that I knew what I was getting in Mm. for in a way. I mean, I knew as much as I could know, um, but as much as anyone can know, but um, so that's my first thought. And then my second thought is, I think honestly, the thing that made me the most secure in thinking that this was a partnership that would work for me in the long term. Um, was that Michael is open to admitting when he's wrong and then mm. and being willing to grow and work on himself and do things differently. Um, wow. So Michael will be my next guest mm-hmm. to tell me how he does that. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, because honestly, you know, I mean, I dated here and there and stuff. And so I definitely had experiences with um, men who did not show any willingness to like change aspects of mm. <laughs> what they're doing or to admit weaknesses or places where they needed to grow. Um, and I do feel like I'm pretty ready. Re- I do that pretty readily. Mm. And so when I am with another person who doesn't do it really readily, it becomes um, really problematic because mm. <laughs> I'm constantly admitting, okay, yeah, I think this was where I fell down on things a little bit. And this is where my motivation was a little bit messed up. And if the other person doesn't also do that, I'm basically just taking the blame for everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it was just knowing how much life and marriage is hard, I think, and knowing that no person kind of automatically knows what your needs are and how to meet them. Honestly, the most important thing I think was that in our dating relationship, there were times I could t- bring something to Michael and say, this is a little bit hard for me, or mm. I feel like this is something that you are doing that's hurtful and that he was always willing to hear me out. He's pretty non-defensive. And so, and we could kind of just talk about it. And then it wasn't just talk, like he would actually demonstrate work to grow in the thing. Mm. Um, 
And so to me, that was really the characteristic that I was like, this is a characteristic that has legs and that's going to go the distance because it's not just about like one thing. um, It's about an orientation to life and to relationship. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also think what I'm hearing from you described from him is a strong sense of self, you know, and kind of turning into like, you know, what I talk about masculinity, I think part of, you know, healthy masculinity is having a strong sense of yourself and being able to admit when you're wrong. And I think a lot of the uh, work that I've done on myself, you know, with Jen, who's been very patient with me, is learning how to embody some of the qualities that I think Michael um, embodies naturally. And and I just think, speaking from me personally, um, I was under the impression when you got married that sort of things would just become like a Disney movie, you know? And I don't know why I thought (laughs) that. I don't know if it was because my my sort of Christian upbringing, um, but I was kind of under this false illusion that you marry someone and things will just kind of like fall in line and you can tell this person what the, what you need one time and they'll remember <laughs> and then you never have to bring it up again you know and yeah I, exactly that's my experience yeah no, I'm just right kidding. yeah <laughs> and uh and so what i'm what i'm learning and what i would have benefited from learning um when we were dating is that we're gonna have multiple conversations multiple times um with varying factors uh kind of leading up to all of those conversations and being included in all those conversations and for me learning how to navigate the same conversation through different points of our life has been really helpful and you know things things really do change when you make that commitment from dating to getting engaged to then actually going through and being married you know and Mm -hmm. you mentioned there is there is a, a risk there because you know we we live in a society that says, you know, if you if your first marriage doesn't work out, then, you know, good luck with the second and the third. Um, but I think I grew up in a tradition that really emphasized that, you know, once you get when you get married, you 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 need to discern and pick the right partner. And then once you pick the right partner, like it's till death do you part, you know. And so it's not I'm not saying that divorce is, you know, I I I've, my, my feelings on divorce are pretty heavy because of my my background. But as I've been married now for we just celebrated three years, I now understand why people feel like divorce is uh, uh, what's going to fix their marriage. Um, but but I also see how it doesn't, you know, as well, having lived as being a byproduct of it. Um, sure. But I think, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated you talking about was that expectation going into the marriage. And I think that's really important. And I think whatever sort of your background is, if you're someone who grew up in the church, your idea of marriage, um, you you might benefit from talking to people who have a view outside of marriage or being in community with those who don't have a faith background in talking about their marriage. Because, you know, I, I think... Anytime you just talk with people who've been married, one of the things that I love about driving for Uber is I get to talk with occasionally uh, an elderly couple. And I think the uh, the longest I've ever heard was uh, 69 years. I think oh, nice. a couple told me they were married for 69 years. And, you know, I did the whole thing like, uh, you know, I asked him for, you know, pearls of wisdom or whatnot and um you know the guy made a funny joke i don't you know something about i know like, what the joke is yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, the joke yeah, they always make. yeah it's the joke that typical guys make and and but the woman was very sincere and she i'll never forget she reached over and she grabbed his hand and she said you know what's really about communication and compromise and, and mm. hearing the other person i was like man that is beautiful mm. so um 
So yeah, I mean, you know, it's really awesome when you're when you're meeting someone, you get wrapped up in all of these great things. But I think it's important when you're thinking about linking up and actually creating a partnership to think about the day-to-day things. And you were talking about some characteristics and qualities that you felt like, you know what, I think this thing has legs. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, so, you know, fast yeah. forward. Yeah, uh, sorry, do you want to comment on that? Well, just briefly, I, I, want, I, do, I want to say two things. Yeah. One is that so Michael and I dated for like th- more than three years before oh, we wow. got married. Wow. Um, and so in a way that was really good, we lived a lot of life together. Yeah. Um, we lived through my mom's very severe illness and death um, and some other very major life things that happened mm-hmm. for both of us. And so I think in those times, you really get to see what someone is made of mm-hmm. um, and what your partnership is like and yeah. how people will respond in different situations. So I'm all for really doing the work to get to know each other deeply, to talk through things, to get to know their family, to get to know all these things before entering into marriage and to really be prepared and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, I think I just wanted to bring up this quote by Stanley Harawas where he says, uh, you never marry the right person. Mm. Um, And what he means just by that is that you're a flawed human and you're marrying a flawed human. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same way you never have like the right child. Yeah. Like everything is like, it's like, it's not going to be perfect. And um, mm-hmm. I think the idea is that there's going to be surprise and some of it's going to be really hard and you're going to realize that you're married to someone who is imperfect and broken and wounded yeah. in the way that, and, and you are too. And yeah, I absolutely, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. This idea, we also talk about one thing that Jen and I talk about is like this idea of there being one person out there, like your soulmate, this one person. And I, I believe that you can fall in love with multiple people, you know, and I think mm-hmm. there's, I think there's multiple people out there that you can be a partnership with. And I think whoever you end up with is, that's the person you chose and whether you can call them the right person or whatever, they're your person, you know what I mean? And and you made that choice and that commitment for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, just understanding that the day to, I think the biggest takeaway for me after celebrating three years of marriage is that you're going to have a majority of boring days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a majority yeah. of your days are going to be every day, just whatever. But it's, it's boring if you choose to look at it that way. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like we don't have a boring life at all now that we're parents right. of a one-year-old. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, he's now able to walk, you know, he can walk kind of like across the room and he's like turning around and walking and we're just like enamored with it. You know what I mean? Like I literally, it's just amazing to watch it. So, you know, it's like finding that joy. It's finding that joy in the everyday. And I think when you find a partner, like you said, that has the legs, you know, you can, you can do that. You can find the everyday joy in, in whatever it is you're doing. And I love that, you know, you guys do a lot of stuff together. You go to mm-hmm. parks and read books and you try great restaurants and you, you like actively date even though you're still married. And I think that continual like dating your partner um, is, is a really good thing to do. Yeah. How involved was Michael in the church plant? And you just in you moving in beloved community. Was that something y'all did together? Was it something he supported you in? Yeah, well, it's definitely like my thing. Um, beloved Everybody Church is something that he's involved with in the sense of, I mean, it's really like he's supportive. He talks through things with me, um, but he definitely doesn't feel the weight of ownership in the same way that I do. Mm. And I don't mean like ownership, like I own the community, but I just mean like 
I am the one who kind of bears responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like he is not up at night, like thinking like what's going to happen if this like mm. accessible location falls through. Mm-hmm. He like, isn't, he, he isn't taking it at that level. But if I say, Hey, I'd really like to take an hour or two to think through this Sunday's service and just to talk through it with you. And, Oh, can you come up with like a music thing to do for this? He's a musician. Oh, so cool. to say, Oh, Hey, can you come up with like a music thing to do for this thing? Or, um, yeah, so he's very willing to talk through things. He obviously comes every time yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the church services and um, is involved in the community and um, helps set up chairs and put them away and <laughs> do all the things, wash dishes and all the unglamorous wow. aspects of being a church starter, um, which happen before and after the gathering, you know, like mm-hmm. cleaning up food, washing dishes, folding up tables and um, that kind of stuff. So he's been super willing to pitch in, super willing to talk through things. Um, yeah, but again, he's not really like, um, he's he's not holding it. Like, it's not his thing. I don't right. think he feels it in that way. Other than like, it's his church and it's his community. Um, but he doesn't feel like responsible for it exactly. Yeah, so he invests as a normal community member and a participant who is given life from mm-hmm. from the community. Um, and even more, like, helps me talk through things and, like, does the grunt work. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not something that everyone in the community would do. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely not. But, I mean, when you're, when you're extra committed, you know, mm-hmm. when you've made that extra commitment. And then also right. knowing that it's becoming, like, it's, it's watching you step into what you have really been passionate about for so long. I mean, you just stepped down from a role at Fuller to be able to focus on this more full time. I mean, what was that conversation like uh, as you were, you know, working through that? I mean, you don't have to tell me like financial stuff, but just, you know, like, you know what I mean? But just like working through a transitioning career. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it's, I mean, the financial stuff was a big piece, obviously, because the reality is going from a full time, you know, administrative job at a seminary to a half-time job with a church plant, there are obviously the numbers are very different (laughs) in terms of salary (laughs) and medical care and all those things. And so, um, we are for the moment, we, we, things are going to change. We're going to have somebody living with us, which will have some income at Mm. some point. But right now the reality is we did have to enter into a season of like, things are pretty tight. Like we Mm -hmm. don't really have a lot of budget to go out or anything. So that really affects him for the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it affects our life together. But I think he saw over time that having a full-time office job, you know, on top of a part-time job with cyclical launching a book, we just moved, um, you know, several months ago. And then also leading the church that wearing like basically working those five jobs uh, was not helping me thrive. Um, and even just seeing every day, I'm really not a like 40 hour a week office job person makes me happy kind of person. I'm super not that. Yeah. And so I think he, I mean, and I kind of figured that out pretty early in my time at Fuller. Um, but partly we just needed that income to be okay. And so, um, that meant that, there were times I was really mad (laughs) that I had to be doing this job. Um, and yeah, and that, because we were dependent on that income and stuff. So I think that, um, when we got to this point where we could make it work, even if it was really tight, 
um, and it's literally like zero dollars for going out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it it's still. I think he felt very. I mean, he cares about my happiness and saw how important it was. He's wanted me to be able to leave the Fuller job for a long time, but I think we just couldn't make it work um, numbers wise. And so now that we got to that point, I think he felt just really happy and supportive yeah. for me to be able to pursue this. Cause he's basically been pursuing, I mean, it's, it's been a hard road, but he's been pursuing like the work and um, career stuff that's felt really meaningful for him. Yeah. And so I think that he wanted me to also do that. Mm. Um, and so for there to be space for that, I think is something he's totally in favor of. Yeah. Yeah, we um we're in, I mean in a similar situation right now. When you're building something, you know, to be able to put so much of your time and passion into it while you're dipping into kind of like your reserve tanks. I mean, we're we're experiencing me trying to build a career while having a marriage, having a one year old, navigating life in LA. And I mean, honestly, even doing creative stuff in LA, even if it, your creative thing is building a community, uh, it's very tough. It's very yeah. hard and it's lo- it's taxing. It takes a long time. Um, and yeah, I think there's sometimes where you just have to be really mad and frustrated. And we're, we're in a similar situation where we just, we look at our budget and right now, because where we are with building and with Reese and, and the things that we want to do with our lives, like we have to make some sacrifices in some areas, but you know, it's the communication between it that we've really had to improve, uh, talking about where we're spending our money, which is like the most uncomfortable thing to, I hate talking about finances. I avoid mm. finances. My idea of financial planning is setting an alert on my phone when my account goes into the negative. Like that's financial planning to me, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is terrible because, you know, that's, and that's a, that's not a good burden to put on my partner who thankfully, um, Jen is like a financial wizard and she really enjoys doing finance stuff. So we call her the CFO of the household. Um, and nice. yeah, and, and it's, it, and it's something that brings her life. You know, she enjoys doing that. She enjoys telling me, you know, where we are with our budget. She enjoys saving and all that stuff. And that's great. And so what that allows me to do is that allows me to open up more of what I enjoy doing, which is tidying up around the house or going and running and getting errands like we we get alkaline water so you know like when we run out I always make sure we go get that and Jen likes a certain type of coffee in the morning and so I you know I make sure I run to the store and get that type of coffee and you know other Mm, things so yeah so it's like we we naturally play into our strengths you know her strengths are finances my strengths are support and help and you know all those other things and so we we kind of teeter-totter back and forth and, and I'm wondering if if you all kind of feel a similar way with with kind of how you just operate everyday life yeah we do and I and I'll say one thing too about the money conversation thing yeah um I don't know if this is something you all have also had to kind of work out but um I think and I learned this from another friend of mine and, and from her marriage but um she was finding that you know she, when she wanted to talk about she would just kind of bring up money things all the time. Mm, like every mm-hmm, day she'd be mm-hmm, like, Oh, we need mm-hmm. to think about this because yeah, of this. Yep. And then we need to think about this and whatever. And finally her husband was like, my gosh, it stresses me out so much. Can we just like eat this Chipotle without <laughs> having to talk about money? Yeah. And so I think what they put in place for themselves um, is to have like a space each week or something mm-hmm. where they kind of talk about all that stuff. Yep. So it isn't like permeating every single minute of their life. And 
I think especially her husband was getting overwhelmed with that um, constant kind of just talking about it always. Yeah. And so we've thought about that too. We haven't ever quite got on it enough to like <laughs> really have these meetings of, with regularity. Right. Yeah. But I really like the idea of it of like, you know, setting aside space to kind of do some of those more business related things. So it doesn't just creep into every aspect of your life. Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a date uh, in our calendars that says reflect on goals and it's every like few months, you know, and awesome. it's because if we don't do that, I never reflect on goals and Jen <laughs> reflects on goals all the time. You know, exactly. she, she right. she's so good with like to do lists and she's like she's got all these things and, and it's really great. And, and I'm benefiting from it. Um, but we've had to figure out, like, let's set a time. And we're starting to talk about that with finances, too, um, right. because we need to just like set a time. Because if you don't talk about it, we get in over our head and we we didn't talk about it for so long. And then all of a sudden we had a conversation and we're like, oh, my gosh, look at how much money we're paying out for x y and z per month right and we can switch that around you know so did we find you know a hundred dollars in a month for a date budget no (laughs) but but what we did do is we opened up the conversation about where we are financially and how we can make some of these things happen to where maybe in a few months we will have a hundred dollar date budget you know just because it's not right now you know but if you don't talk about it you just, for me, I just ended up stressing about it. And that stress came out as, for, for me, it came out as passive aggressive. It came mm-hmm. out as like snippy. It just did not come out like the, the best version of myself that I know that I can be. Sure. And, but I think you're, I am going through a bit of a mental growth spurt, I'll call it, to where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm realizing certain qualities and things that I have in myself that, that through my marriage, I don't know if I would have recognized these things had I just always been a single guy. Um, So I think that's another hard part about being in partnership with someone is you mentioned earlier growing with someone. And I think that's for me, Jen and I have grown together so quickly and so fast that Mm -hmm. we are now in a space to where we're going back and looking at all the, in, in all the areas we've grown and are like, wow, we're starting to really acknowledge each other in those areas. And that's been so life giving for us because we just kind of, we just kind of like rocketed through them and didn't really get a chance to be like, Hey, you know, I didn't get a chance to be like, Hey, you know, really awesome job getting certified to be a professional resume writer amongst you know, having a baby and, you know, all these other things are like really good job doing all of your events and bringing this speaker to campus, you know, amongst all these other things. And, and so I think acknowledging those little victories along the way is really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So communication, I mean, what's, what are, what are some of the, the things that y'all champion when it comes to communication? I mean, what are some things that you're like, you know what, I feel like we got this really, really down pat. That is a good question. Um, I think that both of us, like I said, part of it is like a non-defensive posture Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, I'm not saying like we're a hundred percent at that, but for the most part, we both are pretty non-defensive Mm-hmm. And really seek to hear what the other person is saying. Um, and to be, um, and and to admit the part, the places where we like kind of messed up. Mm. So I feel like that honestly, more than even any communication strategies, that like temperament or character thing, yeah, I think is what gets us really far in conflict. Um, mm. 
because yeah, it just, neither one of us, we, we don't really, I mean, I've had with friends or known other people where a fight really devolves into like just trying to prove that the other person is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think we like really are like that. Um, and so that's really nice because I think Michael is really not like that at all. And I feel like I, if, if I'm with someone who's not like that, I will also not be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I'm with someone who is like that, <laughs> I think so it true. can bring it out of me. Yep. Um, Like Michael's just never going to be that way. Mm -hmm. But I think that I really having a partner like him is helpful for me because, you know, my best self and I think my real self is prefers to not be like competitive and a jerk and (laughs) make people feel bad. I don't want to be that. And I don't like that even. Yeah. But if if someone starts doing that toward me, I think I just really kick it kicks in. Yeah. And I definitely become a really big jerk. And, uh, and I'm just like, I'm going to win here and I'm going to like turn on my like verbal acrobatic hat and you are going to like go down. Yeah. But that doesn't come up for us. Um, like really ever. Um, and so, and part of that, honestly, I'll just give him all the credit for that because it's just his temperament and way of engaging that doesn't make that happen. Like he's not an escalator at Mm. all. Like he's always a de-escalator. De-escalator. Um, yeah. I like that. And so I think that that's really helpful. There are times where it's annoying for me because I'll be like, look, I just want to like have some conflict. And he'll be like, oh, that must be really frustrating for you. <laughs> okay. Or something. He wants, and, and not in the t- he's totally sincere. Like, not yeah. at all. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's not being a smart no. about it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that like a lot of that is communication wise helpful for us. One thing that is, um, I would say that this is like something that's hard, but that is also like, it's just about knowing what your partner's communication style is and working with it. Um, we So we have done uh, some work on like the Enneagram and that kind of stuff. Ah, and, yes. Um, so it was helpful early on. We read, they have on like the Enneagram Institute and all kinds of places where you can look at what type, like how types are in relationship with each other. And um, what are some of the positives and what are some of the potential trouble spots or whatever? So one thing that I think is true for both of us is that in conflict, uh, we respond in a totally opposite way, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is that um, my so I'm a four on the Enneagram and um, or I have a four personality or whatever. I'm trying not to like over identify it with my ego anymore, realizing it's just personality type. You're so me. woke. <laughs> i just i'm just tired of everyone being like i'm a this and yeah, i'm like no, no the whole mm-hmm. point is you're mm-hmm. not that you're that's not like that. the construct right that's totally what you're not right. anyway right. but okay that's just a side love the caveat thank you <laughs> side thank you. soapbox yeah. but um okay so so in conflict i tend to like dig in more and to want to just get really emotional and clingy and like look what we need to like do talk about this for like the next seven hours mm. and michael is a nine and so he tends to be like, um, after we've had the conversation for a sh- an intense conversation for like a brief time, he wants to take he's a nap. like, he <laughs> wants to nap. Yeah. <laughs> He'll fall asleep fall or asleep. like something like that. And so, um, you know, he, his approach to conflict is to totally disengage. So I'm like a engage hard and intense and he's a like, go to sleep. Wow. <laughs> and so that's something that is just, um, and I would say at this point, we just kind of are like, okay, we know what the other person needs. And partly 
it just means, and that's, this is a little bit of the compromise piece that if a conversation does need to keep going, that he just needs to like, just not go to sleep and work hard to like stay engaged. Yeah. And at the same time, I need to be willing to say, you know what? You're going to take a break. We're going to take a break from this now. Mm -hmm. Let's get to a place where we can just feel secure in our relationship and love for each other and pick this up like tomorrow yeah, or something. So both of those things happen. And I thought before about, cause I think we all go through seasons of like, Oh, I wish my partner was more like this, or I wish they were more like less like this mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's really easy to do that kind of wishful thinking at times. But, um, oh, yeah. but I do feel like, you know, cause there are times I'm like, uh, like I just really want to have this conversation in a deep way for like, a super long time and like, why are you, can't you do it? Yeah. And in an annoyed way. But then I think about if I really was with someone who was just like me, like we would just never sleep and we would just be up until Mm -hmm. 3am talking about our feelings and going into these deep, dark places all the time. And maybe I wouldn't really like that, (laughs) you know, in reality. Like I think in a way, I think we've both realized that it's actually not about compromise. It's not about like he, cause it's, cause we each bring a different thing, right? Like he kind of brings the lightness yeah. in some ways yeah. and I kind of bring the heaviness. And, um, I, I think that we used to, at some point early in the marriage, it was kind of like, Oh, well we just kind of meet in the middle. And the end, and that's like, no, actually that's not what we do. Cause then that you kind of just get nothing. Right. And yeah. so we've recognized that, no, it's actually about embracing all of who he is and all of who I am. And like just taking turns, letting that thing be dominant. So we can go to the very heavy, dark, like intense place. And then we can like watch a, the Oscar animated shorts or like watch, yeah. think about puppies or whatever. Right. <laughs> and so right. like, and then we can go to the all of those things and we can each be fully who we are and not like bend to each other exactly, right. but more like let respect each other's differences and live into those. I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, I, I want to give you guys, you folks credit for that because I think the, the thing that I'm teasing out of what you're saying is it's, it's a perspective, you know, within yourself. It's a choosing, it's a choosing how you interact with the partner. It's choosing how you listen to them. And it's really choosing for yourself if you're going to participate, uh, and, and if you're going to engage with them. And, um, so to touch a little bit on the Enneagram for us, I am a, uh, I'm a type two, so I'm uh, classified as a helper and Jen is, uh, classified as a type three, which is the achiever. Um, and so I'm two with a three wing, uh, potentially is what I test at. And Jen tests at a three with a two wing. So we're kind of opposites of each other. Um, mm. which when we were, you know, when we, we read, uh, in a community group, we read the road back to you, Ian Cron and, um, Ian Morgan Cron and, uh, Suzanne Stabile. Great book. We read it in a community group setting. Really awesome. And at first we were like, Oh, isn't it so good? great we're the inverse of each other we understand each other so much blah blah blah. but it has been so difficult actually Mm. to try to because we are so similar uh Mm. it's been it's been really a challenge because we're similar on a lot of regards but when it comes down to like our actual core way of seeing things i'm more of a helper and she's more of an achiever so we Mm. have fundamental differences in how we see things and so sometimes we get We'll, we'll, we'll sort of dig down in this conversation. We'll hit this layer of bedrock and we're just stuck. You know, we're stuck there and we just end up clinking our shovels, you know, against this bedrock and we can't seem to make any headway. And so mm. one of the things that 
I've learned in myself is learning to know that when I hit that bedrock, I immediately go to a challenger and I just kind of say no to everything. I'm like, no, bad idea. Not going to do that. Not going to participate. Nope, I'm out of it. And so I've realized even if I not don't react that way or even if I just am aware that I'm reacting that way, it allows us to sort of break through that bedrock and we can actually continue our conversation. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of my frustration in our conversations just come from my own insecurities of, you know, not seeing blind spots or realizing that I'm trying to take on too much. Um, and, and it's really, you know, f- for me, it, it, it's helpful to have kind of these conversations with Jen, um, later on, I don't think about it in the moment, but later on, they're very helpful because I don't really see some of my blind spots until I have these conversations with her. I think Mm -hmm. I kind of touched that a little bit earlier in the show is that without the communication that her and I do when we participate in it, when we have our healthy communication, that's when things actually uh, move forward and actually kind of get things done to where uh, we can we, we can actually feel like we are ourselves again. And I, and I love what you said about um, not calling it compromise all the time, because, you know, sometimes you make compromises. You're like, I'm not I'm not OK with that. You know, and I, th- I think we've reached a point in our relationship where even if we do make compromises or we say like, OK, we're going to do this, I'm still not OK with it. Like, I'm still mm-hmm. not OK with how this is, even yeah. though this is how it is. I'm still not OK with it. And then figuring out like what you need to do at that point, because I think there are there are going to be times in your relationship, in your marriage where you're like, we can't actually find a common ground. We can't find or not a common ground, but we actually can't find a solution that both of us are 100 percent OK with. Yeah. So how do we then navigate that sort of second layer? And I think in terms of thinking about couples and, and things for younger folks, like it's that second layer conversation or it's that reconversation that's really important because like you said, sometimes you might get to a point where you're like, we just need to take a break and pick this up again. Or, you know, we've even taken a break and realized like, you know what, actually maybe we don't need to pick this up again. I feel okay. Yeah, sure. um, I was just frustrated in the moment. Uh, I love you. And let's go watch Big Mouth. You know, yeah. we watch worse shows. You guys watch good shows. We watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually watch a lot of documentaries here, but Big Mouth is a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, <laughs> nice. It's a funny show. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, communication for us in, in, uh, in our relationship is the first step of getting to what our needs are and making sure that we have our needs met. Um, and so, you know, I would love for y'all to talk a little bit about, uh, about needs because you have very different needs, you know? Um, so what's that balance like? How do you, how do you make sure that both of your needs are are being met? Um, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah. So I feel like couples tend to fall into like, I mean, I'm sure there's a million categories, but here's like two very broad strokes. So either, well, I guess there's more than two, but it's like the idea of do you very easily and quickly and dominantly and aggressively communicate the things that you want and need and your opinions, or do you tend to be someone who is more of a pleaser And you want to kind of defer to the other person's wants and needs and opinions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously the combination can be any of those. It can be two very dominant, like I'm going to say what I need very readily and loudly and just demand it. Or it can be two people um, like one of each, or it can be two people that are like both very like willing to like submit their needs pretty readily to the other person. 
Yeah. Um, and I think we honestly are more can have to struggle more to speak up and be in touch with some of our needs with each other. That's harder. That's the thing that we yep. need to. And, and, and it's, um, there's this story that I'll tell just cause it's so like illustrative of this. And this is when we were dating. So we've grown quite a bit since then, but when we were dating, um, something happened and we got in this argument and we had planned to go, um, I guess to the yard house or something in Pasadena afterward and no shade to the yard house. I hope they're not your sponsor, <laughs> Nope. but it's really not an interesting place. <laughs> yeah. Um, like if you're going to go have a beer somewhere, it's fine, but it's like very corporate, very chain. Mm -hmm. Like it's fine, Yeah. but it's like, you're not like, whoa, the yard house is like the coolest place to go. <laughs> so anyway, so we planned to go there just because it was in walking distance. We were both at Fuller at the time. So we're like walking over and um, as we're walking over, we pass by the Pasadena Museum of California Art, mm. um, which is this kind of cool museum right across from Fuller's campus. And um, they're having this event and they're like, hey, we have this thing on the roof. It's like a really cool party and you pay like X number of dollars. It wasn't even expensive. And there's like an open bar and there's like some art stuff. And then like both of us looked at the other to try to determine whether we thought the other person wanted to do it or not. Mm. And both of us did want to do it, but we didn't do it. And we ended up at the yard house oh my <laughs> because gosh. neither of us like spoke up to say, Oh yeah, let's do this. Cause partly we had already just had this fight. So things were a little like tense. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to like, just be kind and keep the peace and do what the other person wanted. Um, but by doing that, we actually didn't do the thing that both of us wanted to do. Right. <laughs> and so that was like this wow. moment of real, a real check for us to be like, um, okay, there's something wrong here mm -hmm. that we're not able and willing to just articulate very clearly what it is we want and need. Yeah. Um, and part of that is a good impulse, right? Like yep. we want the other person to, we love the other person and we want them to do things that make them happy. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reality too is there's like a little bit of merging that happens in that that actually is like the antithesis of like erotic love, especially um, yeah. because erotic love is rooted in the person being other from you. Mm -hmm. um, and so eroticism and that kind of stuff is actually more stirred up when you have differences and those get brought to the surface. Um, wow. Even when there are differences of need, differences in communication, and you have to negotiate that it's more like erotically interesting for your partner to be an actual other, which they are than to do this weird mergy stuff where you're just kind of trying to keep the peace by like not admitting those differences or not speaking up for what your particular things are or whatever. Yeah. That's so fascinating because, you know, I think about a narrative that I was given as a young, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You know what I mean? And like, also talking about being with someone who uh, a charismatic evangelical phrase that I was given uh, equally yoked, right. uh, mm -hmm. which caused so much damage to my childhood because I'm walking around going, okay, let me find someone who has all of the same pure and sexual thoughts that I do. Oh, that's no one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, I think we, we have subscribed to this idea that, you know, you need to be with someone who's very similar in my soulmate and all these other things. But I, I really, man, the differences that Jen and I have are 
are there they're not many of them but the ones that they do they're pretty substantial and i spent so much time being mad at those differences mm. and when i learned to embrace them and i learned to love that and i learned to say like well that's just jen being her most most authentic self in our relationship it's beautiful i learned to it's like it's like i found a new way to love her you know mm. which i think when you're married to someone continually finding like new ways to fall in love with your partner is yeah. great you know absolutely um and i love when those moments in those moments when it when it when it happens you know and for yeah. me this is one of those moments but again came from it came from a lot of conversations uh that were very hard and that took us that took us out for a little while you know and i think where i am right now and and it sounds like y'all have been able to you know get out of some of this a little bit i i've i've said some things that i can't take back you know uh mm. i said some things in the heat of the moment that i didn't necessarily mean that i that i that i i, I don't want to say didn't necessarily mean that i absolutely didn't mean but i was just trying to be hurtful you know because i was hurt and i'm trying to figure out ways that i can um you know i can't take those things back you know yeah. but how do i how do i start to move you know a question i ask myself is how do i move out of the shame of having said those things sure. and moving into the place where I can actually start to live out the person that I want to be and just kind of like grow from those things. That's, that's the tension that I'm having right now. And I, I wonder if there's other, you know, I'm wondering if there's probably other men out there that might feel the same way. And, you know, you do work with people on their spiritual formation and counseling mm -hmm. and things like that. So, I mean, I'm sure in some form or another, you've talked with someone who has a shame and regret in their marriage uh, or in their, their dating relationship life. And, and it's, mm -hmm. even those small little things can really cause uh, a, a big, a big rift in people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think that courage and the vulnerability to step up and say, you know, this is who I am or this is who I want to be, you know? Um, and I've even just like started to share more of my thoughts with Jen, just kind of like, this is what I was planning on doing today because we got, you know, in our marriage, we just got so wrapped up in an analogy we use is we're kind of like running in our own lanes, like running a race, but we're like, we're running next to each other, you know? Mm, and yeah. like, we mm -hmm. kind of just like lean over every now and then and like high five or like, you know, I'll throw her a couple of water or she'll throw me some water. Yeah. You know what I mean? We yeah. use this analogy, but we we sort of accepted that was that was how we did things and that was our life and that was our marriage but we're realizing now that we need to stop we need to slow down we need to rest you know we need to yeah. focus on our marriage you know so um I, I alluded to a little bit that that y'all make time for one another and doing things yeah. but in in the midst of you building things in the midst of you know all of these things, like what are some of the things that y'all like to do to slow down and just reconnect? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, we have the, um, right now we have the, the different life in that we don't have any kids. So I think mm. having kids is just a really different stage of life and a really different season and way of being together that changes the dynamic in huge ways. So I can't necessarily speak to that piece. Um, we do have plans to do adult foster care. Oh, in our yes. Home. I remember you saying something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's similar in, the, in that we'll have other people like living with us who um, maybe do have some support needs, but it's not at all even the same as having a baby or something. But um, but yeah, we do take a lot of time. <clears throat> We're together. We, we do a lot of things together. Um, I mean, we love playing music together, actually. 
Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know you were musical. What do you play? Do you yeah, sing? I play, I do sing and I play the guitar and the ukulele enough to get by. Um, and that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and Michael plays the violin and ma- mainly the violin fiddle. Um, wow. and then also the ma- mandolin. And so, um, we'll play things together and that's really fun. And so yeah. that's a really good way for us to connect. And then we pray, we do have prayer times together. We, now in this new season, we've started to designate like one morning mm-hmm. um, a week for us to do like prayer together. So either yeah. like go on a walk in the neighborhood and kind of just observe and pray and talk together, um, even just have a cup of coffee on the front porch and kind of talk and pray. And we have also have this practice. Um, we we just now that we're in a new space, we kind of revamped it. Um, but we've for a number of years now, we have like a bowl um, in our house and we keep like little papers and a pen next to it and when people come over they can write a prayer request on a like little paper and put it in the bowl so then when we have a prayer time together um we each will draw one out of the bowl and pray for whoever we pull out and then we kind of pray over all of the things together but it's a way of feeling like we're like loving people together even if it's just through prayer um Really and then beautiful. we just go out a lot. I mean, like we do watch music. We're really into like a lot of art things. We love free things. I mean, yes, us too. even having yeah. a zero date budget, it's actually very possible to mm-hmm. still do things mm-hmm. <laughs> in LA. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of like free art things, free concerts, mm-hmm. um, festivals, that kind of thing. We're just, um, Michael like was an anthropology major in college and is really into, oh, um, I'm so jealous, just learning about, yeah, <laughs> just learning about other cultures and being involved in, that kind of stuff. So we um, just, yeah, enjoy learning about other people and their cultures and um, food and music and art and all those things. So, um, and we like, like supporting our friends. So if they're like, if a friend of ours is putting on an art thing or swimming in a thing or (laughs) doing whatever, we -hmm. like to just go support our friends. Um, I don't really have close uh, family in the area and Michael's family is all in Tennessee and so, um, or, or his parents are in Tennessee. His other, anyway, they're not here. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we kind of like do like to invest in our other communities together. We go to like a weekly small group together um, that's focused on centering prayer and contemplative practices. And so we just do a lot of things um, together and, um, and just, and, and we'll read books together like right yeah. now. We're, we wanted to like look at a specific issue, so we're like reading this book separately and then kind of coming together to talk about our oh, thoughts about the book. And um, so we just kind of try to plan intentionally things that can um, allow us to engage and just do things together. And I think we both just enjoy being out doing stuff in the world. We like playing trivia, oh, and we need some fun. people to know yeah. about sports. So if anyone wants to play trivia with us, oh, and you know about, about sports, sports, I know a lot. Come about be sports. on our team because yeah. we know nothing. I, I probably know. <laughs> Great. I, sports and You're music. On the team. Yeah, sports and music are probably my two most useless trivia things. <laughs> I have so much useless trivia about sports and music. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. There's so many opportunities. I mean, we love to go. One thing that we like to do is go to the La Brea Tar Pits. 
uh, and just walk around. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go to museums, but you know, totally, it's free. LACMA has two outdoor exhibits. You know, you can walk to the sculpture gardens. It's beautiful, and so I mean, it's a great thing that you can do. There's parks everywhere. The Japanese Garden, um, inside the Lake Lake Balboa area. Uh, beautiful. So yeah, I mean, and we have we, a ton of free museums and obviously mm-hmm, hiking mm-hmm. and going to the beach. All those things are free. Y'all like to cook. We cook so, together. We love cooking. Well, together. now we, we do like it. That hasn't been our pattern since I was working full time. Oh, right. And Michael yeah, yeah. didn't as much. So yeah. we actually like, this is boring for some people, but we actually like, we'll cook a lot at the beginning of the week and eat the same thing for dinner every night. Oh, yeah, like meal prep. Yeah. Yeah, just because it's like we don't want to spend all that time. So, But it tended to be we would plan for it together and shop for it together. But then because I was at work all day and Michael often didn't have to go in until later in the day, he would be the one to do the cooking for like the past few years. (laughs) That's really been the case. So Yeah, I mean, and that's usually like Jen works until 6. She gets home around 6.30. Reese goes to bed around 7. So when she gets home... You know, some thankfully she's able to have some flexibility. Someday she's able to come home a little early. But, you mm-hmm. know, most of the time when she gets home, it's like she's going to play with Reese and she's right. going to spend that time with him. And um, then we're going to do his bath. And then she takes some time with him and puts him to bed most nights. And I go and start dinner because I'm going to start driving for Uber at like 830. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I go in, I make dinner and she comes in when she's done with him, joins me. Um, she's still pumping. So maybe she'll pump a little bit for him, um, pumping her breast milk. And, yeah. you know, we'll just spend the time together just debriefing, you know, and even just like taking a moment to be like, hey, how was your day today? And I'm trying to get better being like, hey, how was that call that you were on? You know mm. what I mean? I'm trying to notice like, little things because that's, that's really good that's yeah. helping to deepen our conversation and just to like how was your day because i'm such a pacifist and i don't like confrontation that if she asked me how my day was i'll be like oh yeah it was great or if i'm in like a really bad mood and i want to complain i'll be like it was the worst day ever yeah. and let me tell you everything <laughs> yeah. that went wrong you know yeah both of those are fine but you know yeah. it was becoming a majority of our conversation so yeah you know just you know those little things we we found that cooking works for us taking short walks around the neighborhood with Reese. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and then just like little things, you know, we, we, we thankfully because we're part of a church community now, um, they did a free childcare night. We went and saw a movie. Uh, so yeah, just taking advantage of little things uh, here and there and, and just spending that time together when you can. Finding things that you love, new hobbies. It's great. It's all great. Totally. Community and I think it's out. probably great for you to, I mean, I think, I mean, I can't speak for Jen, obviously, but I think, just humans it's nice when you can specifically show that you like see and remember them and so like if she said hey i have this like hard thing coming up that it can feel nice for the person to be like hey how was the hard thing that you were like to show that they actually you know have a memory and kind of are even if it's not your burden you're like holding it in the sense Mm -hmm. of you're holding part of it in your mind um and that you can kind of ask about something specific i think is a real way of helping some people feel loved and, and seen. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, um, it's just one of those things, like it's it's not my way of taking it on, but it's just a way of, you know, you need to have someone in your life who you can share those tough things with, your most, right. your innermost fears, your innermost insecurities, you know? There's got to yeah. be at least one person. And I think that's, you know, I think that's partly why marriage was created, why we were supposed to have that partner to be able to share that stuff with. So Yeah, and hopefully um, more than just that person because 
Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You got to have more yeah. than that person, but at, but at the very least, that person. at the very minimum, that one person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I have two more things that I wanted to talk with you about. They're out of order, but I'm at that point in the interview where I remembered Great. things. <laughs> I remembered things that I wanted to talk with you about that were from before. First one we kind of just talked about, but I wanted your opinion. You mentioned that you guys, you folks, do like um, some couple things together. What are your thoughts on like seminars and those like workshops yeah. and things like that? What What are your thoughts on those? They, I think they're awesome. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, some probably are crappy, but like, <laughs> I think, I think doing those intentional things to like enrich your marriage are just cool. And they like yeah. get you out of your normal rhythms and they help you consider things you hadn't considered before um, and see things from a different perspective. And honestly, sometimes I feel like just the like, you know, just the intentional effort to say, we're going to do this thing because our marriage matters to us and mm-hmm. we want to like, work on this or we want to communicate better or we want to think about a different way to express affection or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only good. I mean, I feel yeah. like only good yeah. can come out of it. Yeah. Even if you go to the thing and you don't agree with anything the person says, like that's even fodder for you to be able to then think more deeply about oh, your marriage yeah. and yeah. how to like, um, so I think just checking in, like we did something before we got married. Um, we went to Catholic engaged encounter Oh wow! and neither of us is Catholic. Um, and we were literally the only people at this thing that were like not forced to be there, like by their priest. (laughs) And, um, but it was so great. Yeah. And it was this whole weekend where you come together and there's like a kind of newer married couple, maybe who's been married like three to five years. And then another couple who's been married like 20 years. And they talk about these different aspects of marriage. And then this was actually something we learned from this that, um, we don't practice now regularly, but it's something that's important for us to have in our toolbox, which is, um, so what you do is there's like five different areas they cover about marriage. So like money, children, um, sex, um, I don't know, different things like that. And so, um, these kinds of issues that kind of come up in marriage and communication maybe. And so they'll give a little chat about those and they'll share some stories and then you separate from each other and you have this like workbook with some questions um, on that topic. And basically you're supposed to read the questions and the one that you least want to answer is the one you start with. Mm. Um, And so then you just write your own thoughts about um, your own, your relationship and what you think about this and what are your concerns about it and that kind of thing. And you kind of write out, you just have 15 minutes to like just write as much as you can on these questions. And then you come back together and you exchange journals and each like read what the other person wrote um, and then have a chance to chat about it a little bit. And I think the thing that was nice about that for us is that, and we haven't totally hit on this a lot in this conversation, but in terms of like gender roles, I wouldn't say that either. And I think gender is such a, like, I think in our day these days, it's um, you know, we, we recognize the the constructed nature of gender so much now that mm-hmm. we're not quite so straightjacketed to these ideas of what it means to be a man or woman. Um, but there's still vestiges of that, and it still comes out in different ways. Um, and I think in terms of, like, I'm definitely a more dominant personality in some ways than Michael is. And so um, I think that it can be nice. This This kind of method can be nice because Michael can be so deferential that – um, and I usually try to like have, let him say something first because there's a way that if I like come out with my thing first and it's really strong, it, sometimes yeah, it's harder for sets him the to tone. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, this writing thing was nice because it's like, 
we got space on our own to kind of process and like write it all out and then come back together. So it was really clear how we each thought about it. Um, whereas like sometimes in a conversation, different dynamics come up or like the way, so, cause I'm just very verbal and Michael is yeah. not super verbal. Yeah. Um, and so like I could talk, you know, literally it's like the end of the day, how was your day? He can definitely give a full recap of everything that he feels was important in his day in like 10 minutes. Wow. Easily. Whereas I'm going to like, <laughs> it's, I mean, if I was really going to give a thorough recap about all my thoughts and feelings and everything from the day, it would be super long. Yeah. And so we're just really different in that way. And so I think this going to that engaged encounter thing was a way of just getting another tool yeah. that like, and we have used it a couple of times. We don't pull it out very often, but like when it's kind of like, okay, I think we need to just take some time separately, write what our thoughts are about this and then come back together. Yeah. It gives us a way to make sure that we really are both able to get our thoughts and feelings out um, and to really make sure those feel heard in the course of the communication. So, so anyway, all that yeah. is just to say those things are super helpful. Yeah, definitely. It's always great to expand your toolbox and like just taking intentional time to like grow and grow in your connection and try to be healthier. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. One thing, um, I love that you wrote things down individually and then transfer them over uh, yeah. to have them read it. One thing uh, that Jen and I did um, that was really cool, um, I just finished uh, the summer apprenticeship program through Cyclical, which we talked about. And in one of the workshops we did this, uh, really cool exercise was a life map exercise. Uh, and you were supposed to just highlight various points in your life. And then you took these different processes to kind of decide whether these were positive moments and, you know, how did you feel about these things? It was really great. Kind of just gives yeah. you a, a, a real intimate snapshot of who you are, significant life, life events, significant people in your lives and so, so on and so forth. Uh, and I actually did that exercise with Jen and one of uh, one of my friends who was visiting us from from Kentucky we got some wine one night and I got all the supplies and we we just dive like we just dove deep and and shared a lot of intimate details about all of our lives and I learned things about Jen in that conversation that I'd never learned before and I, and I got to understand things about her that if I wouldn't have done that exercise I wouldn't have understood mm. those things about her yeah. so it's so beautiful even when you know we'd been married uh two years been together for four years at this time uh, coming up on three and five years you know we're we're closer to we just passed three years of marriage and in december we'll be together for five years mm -hmm. um and so even in that time there were things that i didn't understand about her that i understand and one of those things um i won't provide too much context but jen likes to do things together she always mm -hmm. likes to go to the grocery store together and she wants yeah. to do this together and let's go get the mail together and it's like yeah you know Sometimes we just don't have time to do that. And I never understood why she wanted to always be together. Mm. But then we did this life map exercise and she revealed some things that I was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense why mm, she yeah. wants to be with me all the time because of this thing from her past. Yeah, You know, so like this minor thing that she really maybe even couldn't explain to me, but it was something that was very important to her and something that meant a lot to her. I yeah. figured it out through listening to her and her sharing this deep, intimate, you know, thing about her life. It wasn't a secret, but just this thing about her life, this incident. Yeah. And wow, it was amazing. And so, you know, I think that, again, in thinking about this being like a something you do every now and then, I'm hoping to, 
you know, you can take this life map exercise and you can really do it. Like we decided to do it in the path of like our whole life, but I feel like you could go like in our marriage, we could Mm. go since Reese was born. You know what I mean? We could, we could really file this, this life map thing into, you know, more stuff to really, you know, uncover some of these, these things about one another. And and man, Mm -hmm. it's so great when you do that. So we, we, um, we don't go, we haven't gone to things since our, um, counseling, but, um, Jen is involved with this organization called PACS for women, uh, run by this woman named Allison Armstrong. And, um, they just have really great resources on partnership. And so that's something we're quoting all the time around our, our place. Uh, so that's something we value, uh, for us as well. Um, and this last question kind of ties in with what, we were just talking about, and that was, I was kind of thinking about your work, you know, the work that you do with spiritual formation, the work you do in, you know, with feelings and all that stuff. Do you feel that that has helped your, your marriage or do you feel like it's hindered your marriage? Does it, does it sort of like bleed into your marriage in any way? Like, how do you, how do you all navigate? I guess this is my question. How do you all navigate your everyday jobs with Jen also just like being married because you don't have like traditional everyday jobs? I mean, in some ways, I think it makes it a lot easier because there's so much more flexibility time-wise in certain Mm -hmm. ways, like, Mm -hmm. especially now. Um, I mean, we'll be in the house together in the morning, kind of doing our own things. And we're not necessarily always engaging directly. Yeah. um, But it is nice just to be together. Yeah. And um, so the flexibility, I think, is really nice. Um, I And I feel like the thing is, um, what I think will be helpful is being for me, uh, being doing work now that feels more life giving to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. like that work of sitting around talking about feelings, I'm into it. Like mm-hmm. that does not deplete mm-hmm. me at all. Mm-hmm. Like, um, one of my, when I was in seminary, I did like my internship for CPE at a hospice, um, at a hospice inpatient unit. So these were folks who typically in hospice, they like to keep people at home so that they can kind of be in familiar spaces uh, as they go through the, the dying process. Um, but inpatient hospice is kind of for people who their pain gets severe. Something happens where they have to kind of go into a um, facility to actually kind of go through the dying process. And that's not the preference, but anyway, so I was a chaplain at a place like this. And um, the reality for me is like, you know, all these conversations, when you're a hospice chaplain, it's really different than when you're like a chaplain in like a regular place meeting somebody who just has a broken arm or something like you're always Mm -hmm. dealing with like life and death and like very deep, intense feelings all the time. And I, I was joking with somebody that like um, some other folks that were doing this work with me when they would leave at the end of the day after, you know, the 10th conversation of like somebody weeping about, you know, someone dying and grief and all this stuff or how they just are not ready to die or whatever they're exhausted. And I would leave and I'd be like, woo, feeling great. Like, (laughs) not like, not like I didn't empathize with the people, but it was just like that work is, it doesn't deplete me. Like I have endless ability to kind of be in those spaces. Um, and for, for good and bad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I just mean, um, all that is just to say, we all have places where we thrive and places that deplete us. Um, if I was like in a marketing job, I would like want to just, Oh yeah just crawl under a desk after two hours. But for other people, that's really energizing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying like having work now where I get to actually engage with people more about real things and 
I feel like that's only going to help our marriage in the sense that I actually have more space to kind of think about how I'm doing, um, connect to God, to be in just a healthier place as an overall human so that obviously that's what you bring into your marriage is how you're doing. And if you are exhausted and kind of really busy and task oriented and depleted, I mean, that's the person that you're bringing. Um, And sometimes that's just reality. That's where we are. But um, I'm just grateful that in this new season, hopefully um, by intentionally taking time to connect to God, to myself, to um, have less money, but more (laughs) space and Mm -hmm. doing work that is more life-giving that that will only be a, a positive thing for our marriage to just be able to be more connected and more present because the more busy I am, the less present I am to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, I'm grateful to hopefully be able to continue to offer more presence and to love in a more, in, in a deeper and more present way going forward. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I wish that for y'all as well. And I think, you know, living in Los Angeles, like we both do, like we can, we can put our careers and we can put everything else in front of our relationship and we can even be champion for doing that. You know, people yeah. will tell us like, no, th- that's good. You can do that. You know, even just for a season, you can do that. And I think, uh, I, I just disagree with that narrative. You can't, I, for us, we tried to take a season off and try to just build our careers and we were starting to unravel and, uh, we had to take us, we had to take time to reevaluate and, and how, and for for what this looks like for Jen and I, we had to reevaluate how we were going to build our careers and how we were going to do that and how we were going to show up in our full selves. But most importantly, we had to figure that out in the context of our marriage. So right. uh, yeah. it's, it's an ongoing conversation. You know, we do what's called blowing up the lab um, where we try new things and sometimes it blows up in our face and we <laughs> yeah. have to we have to clean it up, you know, um, but sure. but we, you know, we like to come back to the table, as Jen says, and as long as we keep coming back to the table, uh, we'll, we'll have hope. So, um, so yeah, so that's great. Well, I really appreciate you joining me to talk about, uh, marriage and to talk about, you know, unique characteristics and attributes of marriage. And, you know, like I said in the intro, you're one of my favorite people just to talk with in general. So I really appreciate you, uh, submitting yourself to my questions and for for being so great and for, uh, for everything that you shared. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. It was great to talk with you. All right, friends, thank you for tuning in to this special bonus episode with my good friend, Bethany McKinney-Fox. I really enjoy getting to talk with Bethany, and uh, I really am uh, very excited for her book that is now out called Disability and the Way of Jesus, Holistic Healing in the Gospels and in the Church. Uh, if you are involved in any way uh, with a church or religious, religious organization, or uh, you're just looking to really just inform yourself on uh, a new way of looking at the Gospels and how to uh, look after people who are marginalized and and who are on the outskirts. Uh, Her book is fantastic. I can't wait to dig into it myself. So thank you for having a great conversation with me, Bethany. Love talking about marriage and I love talking with you. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who donated to the Kickstarter, uh, excuse me, the GoFundMe uh, and helps me pick up some new equipment. I love it. It's fantastic. I feel like I have so much more control now and I want to give 
give a big shout out to uh, Guitar Center here in Sherman Oaks. The folks there are really awesome and they are so accommodating and they've helped me out so much uh, when I'm going there. And they actually now have a podcasting section at Guitar Center. So check that out uh, at your local Guitar Center. Little free plug for them. I want to give a shout out to the Deep West. Make sure you check out their Instagram. They have decided to release uh, Giving Up, which is the single, uh, the song used on this podcast. Uh, Giving Up will be their first single and they're shooting a music video and that will be out soon and all is right with the world so cannot wait uh, for everyone to see that music video and uh, for people to get more familiar with the deep west love those guys uh, and uh, I'm really grateful they provide the music for this podcast uh, lastly if anyone wants to continue to help uh, this show financially you can do so through links in the show notes and uh, this really helps me cover things like time and new equipment and web hosting and all the little ins and outs that go with the show so uh, my, I am eternally grateful for those who throw me a couple of dollars every now and then and uh, really appreciate you helping me keep this message of trying to get a palatable palatable conversation about how men can be active participants in dismantling toxic masculinity out to the world so thank you to that Um, I've got a few more episodes coming out before we take a break for the holidays so make sure you are subscribed to the feed so you get all of the new episodes that are coming out and I really appreciate you following along on this journey until we meet again I raise my glass to you cheers cheers